This episode of The Cutting Room is sponsored by Grass Valley's Edia 6. Check out the new Edia 6 at www.grassvalley.com. What, in addition to the right equipment, does it take for the job of film editing? Welcome to The Cutting Room. I'm your host, Gordon Burkell. In this episode, we have Jeffrey Richmond. Jeffrey's cut, Sicko, The Cove, and God Grew Tired of Us. Before I get into this interview, I'd like to thank the ACE and Jenny McCormick for setting this up. I'd also like to thank Ian Sitt, who helped cut this interview. The NAB is starting as of Sunday, I believe. And if you're interested in going to the NAB, you can actually go to our website and get a code to get $100 off. Uh, you just have to log in to an account. So if you don't have an account, you can create one or you can just log in using your current account and you get a, a number that you can log into the NAB site with. But without further ado, here's my interview with Jeffrey Richmond. How did you get into film editing? Mostly just by necessity, because I was I sh uh, shot a lot of home videos and little short films throughout high school and then I went to NYU Film School and shot short films there and my friends all shot short films. So I ended up just editing all my friends' films and my own films and kind of just fell into that track because that's what I was doing throughout college, basically. So what, how did you make the transition then from school to the industry? Um, the first job I had out of college was this nonprofit company in Philly called the Big Picture Alliance and they taught filmmaking to inner city kids. And so I ended up doing a lot more than editing there, shooting, write some writing, but mostly my full-time job was editing all the videos that the kids made. And I basically used that to build up enough of a reel to come back to New York and start editing corporate videos, promotional videos, things like for pharmaceutical companies or just in-house corporate spots. A lot of editors might be editing commercials or corporate videos, so how did you make the leap from corporate sort of world to doc? Totally just happened to be at the right place at the right time. I mean, it, I find that it usually does work like that. I mm -hmm. was working at this one place called On Track Video that did corporate videos and the other, one of the other editors there got a job editing a documentary for Showtime about Sly and the Family Stone and Jimi yeah. Hendrix. And so she actually brought me on as music editor on that. It was a one hour, just one off special. And um, because it was, so down to the wire, as most things are for TV, just because they have a very finite schedule. Um, I ended up becoming picture editor and working crazy hours for the last couple weeks of the edit and basically cutting half of the one hour doc. And then that company happened, New York Times Television, happened to be doing lots of other reality, verite-driven shows like Trauma Life in the ER, Maternity Ward, and so I just fell into that world and started doing Verite TV editing for the next like four or five years. With the newer software, everyone's sort of tightening up their budgets and tightening up their schedules. How does this affect you as an editor and how do you sort of overcome that uh, obstacle? Working later hours, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's a shame, I know, because as the technology gets better, the assumption that goes with that is that you can work faster, but that's so not true, obviously, because you still need that time to think about what you're doing and figure things out. I mean, because most, a lot of the best decisions and uh, sort of eureka moments happen when you're not actually physically touching the keyboard and tapping away and moving things around. And you don't, if you don't have that luxury, then you're going to end up with 
an, just a rough cut basically, yeah. and you're gonna have to picture lock at that stage. And um, experimenting too, like just yeah, trying exactly. something and yeah. Yeah, I mean the last film I worked on, we had basically a month where we were waiting for a screening and we were able to experiment with a completely alternate structure and um, it didn't work at all and we put it back to basically the way it was but out of that came a couple key ideas that improved the cut and the nice thing about longer form documentaries or longer form uh, features is just the amount of time uh, that you have to work on them and figure things out and you're not up against this air date deadline. Now you've been involved in a lot of sort of controversial or potentially controversial films. Whenever you're cutting something that's controversial, have you ever been approached by people who are sort of supporting the other side and has that ever influenced your work in any way? There's always bound to be people um, who have opposing point of views who are going to respond to the film and, you know, as much as possible will um, include various points of views in the film, but you have to keep in mind that a documentary or a movie has its own point of view and when you're putting the film together you are presenting this point of view and so the people who are not going to agree with that are going to have their own outlets to present their points of views and that's where you end up with another film about the opposite point of view. You know we did obviously think about very carefully about all the facts that we're stating and all the ideas that we're presenting and making sure that nothing could be just shot down as yeah. not factual. But even when you stick to the facts, there's obviously going to be another way of presenting the same yeah. information. Because you can interpret it anyway. Yeah. Right? yeah. So With documentaries, we have so much footage. What I'd like to know is how do you approach it or what's your process in cutting everything down and starting to discover the story? It's, at the, in the first couple months, it's very just methodical and organization based. I start with, you know, whatever it is, four or five, 600 hours on the Cove. It started with about 700 hours of footage and ended up close to a thousand. Um, but it's not the amount of footage that's there. It's you kind of go at it with this idea that your first task is just to organize the footage into groupings of ideas or scenes or locations or topics. Um, if it's an interview, it's easy to just break the footage up into the different topics that are being covered. With more verite-based stuff, you can break it up into scenic shots um, of just you know MOS-type stuff. You can break it up into events that took place. You can break it up into uh, all the footage that covers a certain character versus all the footage that covers another character. And you just want to get to the point where you have all these very organized string outs of footage on your timelines that you can then start to make scenes out of. And even at that stage, you only need a really general sense of where the movie's going. Just yeah. your best guess of what the first cut should be. Um, keeping in the back of your mind that the first cut is not going to work. The first cut is going to be pretty bad. And long. And long <laughs> and no rhythm and no, you know, I mean, it's going to have whatever emotion or excitement or fun is built into certain um, bits of footage, you know. So there's the inherent quality of certain shots or certain um, moments between characters, um, but it won't add up to anything entertaining or um, good. So you kind of just have to go at it with that blind editing where my goal here is to get enough scenes that I can put my first cut together. And the first cut in that sense is actually pretty simple because 
you get to two or three months into the edit and you have this list of, you know, 50 scenes that you've cut, maybe they're 30 seconds long or maybe they're six minutes long, and they're just based on what you were able to make using this grouping of footage. And you just decide on an order for them and that's your first cut. And then once you have that, that's really where the editing begins. Yeah. Uh, you've worked on some films that are, uh, right from the start, you know it's gonna have a theatrical release. Like I think of Sicko, for example. When you're cutting something like that, do you keep in mind that it's gonna be seen a large audience or do you cut for the audience? I don't think there's any distinction between a theatrical audience yeah. versus a different uh, distribution method, but it is always for an audience and you have to keep that in mind because you, there is the one goal of getting information across, but it has to be presented in an entertaining and engaging way, whether it's for theatrical or video on demand or TV or DVD or whatever, it is meant for an audience. And if your audience doesn't get what you're saying, there's no amount of explaining that'll fix that. You can't really go to every house or theater and say, no, that's like that because it has, to, I have to say this, or this, didn't you get that because this piece of information was here. If you put it up on a screen or on a TV or wherever, or in a computer monitor and it isn't holding the audience in their seat, then you've basically failed at what you're setting up to do. At what point do you start looking to structure the film more? Is it that starts after that, for after the first cut. I mean, the first cut is technically the first mm -hmm. attempt at structuring the film, um, but it, you're working in such a like blind hole um, because you don't really have any sense of how things work together. But once you put that first cut together, that's when you watch it from beginning to end. Whatever, like you said, it could be extremely long. It could be three hours, four hours, whatever. Um, but you start to see how things interact with each other and how the logic that you um, came up with in this list of yours plays on screen. A lot of times you put on paper two bytes that seem completely logical or two scenes that seem completely logical one after the other, but then once you put them next to each other, they fall completely flat because they don't add up to the emotion that you need to make it engaging. When you're cutting, do you work with building a paper edit? Or, and if so, do you do that before you start cutting or after you've done that first cut? No, I, I, uh, I use a combination of three by five cards, um, but mostly I use a program called Inspiration, which was this uh, very simple program designed for K through 12th graders. Okay. That is. Oh yes, yes, I know that one. Oh, you do. Yeah. yeah. It's a. It's like a flowchart program. Yeah. That's so simple, and that's what makes it so great. There's no extended features like some advanced flowchart, you know, Omni outline and things like yeah. that. It's just little clip arts and little bubbles and squares and circles and um, clouds, and you can color them different colors. And I, as early as possible, even before I've cut all the scenes from this grouping of footage, I'll just start based on what I know of what exists in all these string outs of different um, topics and scenes and locations and stuff, put together rough outline of what the movie should be or could be. Yeah. And then that becomes my list of scenes that I have to cut. After that point, it just becomes really easy to shift things yeah. around, get a very global sort of omniscient view of the structure of the film at a glance. Yeah. Once you start moving stuff around and then it's like, that's what you have to then do. You just have to move the scenes around, cut and paste, and then recut scenes based on what's coming before and after it and what kind of tempo you want it to have. Well, that was my interview with Jeffrey Richmond. Lauren, 
Yes. What time is it? Uh, it is approximately 10 o'clock, I think, or something. No, it's not. It's the Forward Film Review time! Thank you. Now, what, why is it taking us so long to record this? Well, uh, if you listen closely, Gordon's voice and breath is labored. It's not because he has ended up in the hospital with, you know, a heart attack or something. It is actually because we got our puppy and he's allergic, I think. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Um, now we've got Buster home now, and he's um, a handful. Yeah, to say the least. Yes, he's still got his baby teeth. And sure does. So, but we'll leave that aside. He's uh, he's kept us busy, so we that's why we haven't recorded anything for a week or two. Yep. What's this week's forward film review, Lauren? Okay, so we don't actually have one that was on the ghost. So we already had our winner before. It was Chip. And this week's forward film review is Coveted Claw Reservation Conundrum. So, Coveted Claw Reservation Conundrum. Gordon is not I'm, previously I'm, aware of what this yes, is, so he's giving me the, the, uh, the query that? look. Yes. Hmm. Now, Think where do they over. send them? What happens if they get this and they want to contact us? Well, you could just send it out into the universe. Or you could send it to info at artoftheguillotine.com. Or you could send it over Facebook. Art Guillotine would be the username that you're trying to contact. Or if you just want to chat, you can contact over Twitter at Art Guillotine. Now... With regards to the Facebook account, we actually, we uploaded, we started uploading a, uh, our podcast notes. Yay! And I also, last weekend I was interviewed on the Cutting Room Floor podcast, which is a podcast out of Montreal that looks at artists from around the world who are trying to do something good and trying to help the community in some way. And so they interviewed me and I put up the show notes from that uh, interview there as well. Listen to his voice. It's so different now. So if you want to check out that interview or or see the notes, you can go to our Facebook page, so facebook.com slash artguillotine. Right. And if you want the notes from this show, you can go to facebook.com slash artguillotine. Okay, and in the um, spirit of having show notes, Top Gun, uh, The Shining, and... Um, Tommy Knockers. I don't even know if that's a movie. I think it was a book. Maybe a movie Yeah, it was too. a movie. It was a movie of the week. So, we're going to wrap this up because it's pretty late here. And no, we're both pretty tired. <laughs> we're just tired. And Gord can't breathe. So. Um, so, yeah, it's getting dark in here. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I, we need to do this soon because I've got to carry you back to bed. <laughs> or to the hospital across the street. That's right. Like, it's good. My husband's unconscious. Yeah, here's our dog. Um... Yeah, so that's good. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'd like to thank the American Cinema Editors and Jenny McCormick for helping me get this organized. I'd like Yay. to thank Jeffrey Richman. Yay. I'd like to thank Ian Sitt for helping cut this. Awesome. Of course, my producer, Lauren Burkell. Thanks. I'm Gordon Burkell. Thanks for listening. <laughs>